Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace to us, which we need every day. And pray that you would help us now, through your word, to become more like Christ. Practicing biblical judgment, but not judging others in the wrong way ever. Lord, I just pray you just really help us with that. And just really soften our heart to other people. So that the love of Christ can really pour through us. Especially at this Christmas time. What a reminder to us of grace. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Matthew 7, 1 already said, Do not judge or you too will be judged. Picking up in verse 2. Let's go right there. Verse 2 to 4. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? So, looking at these two, the first I want to focus on is verse 2. The first reason, more motivational reason to not, to not judge people. He says, from the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. And this reason I call, what goes around, comes around. <laughs> what goes around, comes around. As we pointed out last week, we will all be judged before God's throne someday. Every one of us. And what he's going to look in, remember we looked in Revelation, he's going to say, is our name written in the book of life? How do we get our name in the book of life? By putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and giving our life to him. That's when our name is written in the book of life. When you are born again, is one term in the Bible. When you, are, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you're born from above, that's what the word actually means. When that happens, our name is actually written in the book of life. And someday we're going to all stand before God's throne. And if our name is written in that book of life, we go to heaven. And if it's not written in the book of life, the Bible is very clear. We go to hell, eternity in hell. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never put your faith in Christ, to take that step ASAP, all right? Because it's really important. That's what, that's the whole, that's it. But if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we go to heaven, but we still... Then our life will go before God. And then our life, the Bible teaches very clearly. If you weren't here last week, get the tape, get the CD, listen to the podcast. Our life will be judged in how we lived that life and what we did for God. And and that's where we're going to face rewards and discipline. We're going to have to face both. And hopefully we're going to get mostly rewards. But there's going to be a discipline process, especially, mostly for... Basically, let's say it basically, you've got to listen to the tape. There's a lot more to it. But there will be a discipline process for any sin not repented of here and now. Now, if we repent of it, it's under the blood, it's gone. We, we let God discipline us here on earth. We submit to him, surrender to him. It's good. But if we don't, we're going to have to face that discipline process when we stand before him someday. And one specific sin that we will all be judged for is, be, is, being, is when we judge people unbiblically. If we've judged somebody unbiblically, Jesus says the way that we judge others is going to parallel the way that God will judge us for our sin. If we've been harsh with others, 
We're going to face that same thing. If we've been merciful to others, same thing. It's kind of like uh, a little kid who comes in tattletales on a sibling. You've never had that experience, right? But it's, it's funny. Sometimes they come and they'll say to me, Oh, so-and-so just did such-and-such. And I know that they were both doing it. But they're tattletaling, even though they did it too. And I always say, What should I do to them? And sometimes they'll say, You should... I'm not going to tell you what I do. But anyway, I, you should do this. You know, I say, Okay, good. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what they get. You know, because I said, You did it too. You know, and, and it's because it's crazy. But we... We do the same thing, don't we? We're like those little kids. We're tattling on someone, and we're doing the same thing. We have the same, same struggle. And vice versa, not just the harshness, but the mercy. Remember Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The same flip-flop. Now, we know that's going to happen before God's presence. Anything that we haven't repented of or made right, we're going to have to face you know, God's uh, discipline. In, in heaven someday, he's going to sit us down, and he's going to go through that sit-down discipline process with us. If you weren't here last week, listen to the tape. There's verses all over the Bible. It's one of the best-kept secrets in Christianity in America today, right? Uh, we all think we're just going to get to heaven and get our super self, super iPhone and, and enjoy ourselves up in heaven, right? But there's going to be something starting eternity first, right? Listen to the tape. Listen to the CD. Okay. But we know that's going to happen someday, but also even here and now, we many times experience that boomerang effect here, don't we? We experience that here and now. If we are super critical and everybody, putting everybody under that magnifying glass, we can expect the same treatment from God here and now. There's many times in my life where I've been convicted of something. I, there's something I was convicted of and uh, I'm wrestling with something. I'd be like, God, why am I struggling with this? I've never struggled with this before. Why am I struggling with this? And I've been convicted because God has shown me, connected the dots for me through prayer, that you were critical. I was critical of somebody for that very thing. Even though it's in my life. Maybe it's not as much in my life as the person I'm being critical of, but it's there in my heart. And I was not very understanding of the person that I had judged and been critical of. And God allowed me to experience it so that I would be, have a different attitude to understand what it's like for that other person, and to soften my heart. That's why, that's why God allows this discipline in our life. It's to soften our heart and, and to change us and to make us softer to other people. And I've seen it in my life, some really big issues. And I think if we really keep our eyes and ears open spiritually, we see that. That's, God does that many, many times. The second reason, first reason what goes around comes around, Jesus says, but the second reason is in verses 3 and 4, where he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Verse 5 starts off, you hypocrite. We'll come back to that next week. You hypocrite. This is the second reason is what's in your eye uh, reason. Verse 5, you hypocrite. He's warning us against hypocrisy. Even when we're judging somebody the right for the right way, we're judging them for something they're doing wrong biblically. That's that's the right thing to do. We can judge the action, but even then, we can still be in the wrong, can't we? Even then, we can still be in the wrong. We can still be in the wrong place ourselves. The uh, even we're judging the action of somebody else, which we should we we're supposed to discern and say that's sin. We're supposed to understand that. But if we're in the wrong place ourselves. It does, you know, we're, we're no better off, right? It's interesting. 
that Jesus uses sawdust and, and plank for his illustration. Why do you think he did that? Any ideas? He was a carpenter. That's what Jesus did. Before he became the Messiah, before he started off on his public ministry, he spent the first 30 years of his life working alongside of his dad, earthly father, Joseph's stepfather, as a carpenter. So he probably had many times in his eyes, he had, if anybody done woodwork, you know what I'm talking about, he, many times, he didn't have safety goggles back then, they had to just use their eyes, and they probably many times had pieces of wood in his eye. And he probably many times remembered his mom or dad taking that piece of sawdust or sliver out of his eye and helping others do the same. But he warns us to not, he's using this sawdust and board idea, he's using it to warn us to not go around judging others for the little stuff when we have big issues ourselves. We go around judging others for these little things when we have the big issues ourselves. Now, why would somebody with a plank, a board in their eye, go around, go after somebody with a speck in their eye? Why would somebody do that? It doesn't make any sense, does it? It's crazy. I mean, it's really a silly. If you saw a picture of somebody with a board in their eye and they're complaining about somebody with a little speck in their eye, it'd be, it'd be comical. It's really a comical picture that he's using. Why would we do the, something like that. I know nobody here has ever done that, but why would we? We don't see the plank. We don't see the plank. Why? What, what's blinding us to that plank? It's our pride and our sin. We don't see the plank. Like the Lord said, we don't see it. Our pride makes us all far-sighted. I am extremely nearsighted, but some people are far-sighted. They see, they uh, they can see far, but not near. I can't even picture that. But all of us, spiritually, because of our pride and because of sin in our life, we become very far-sighted. We can see far away, but we can't see up close. Because what it does is our pride and the sin working together creates a blind spot. A blind spot for us. Sin makes us blind. To our own problem, not to other people's, but to our own problem, right? It creates a blind spot for us. It blinds all of us before we become a Christian. If you're not here as a Christian yet, you're still wrestling with that whole thing, great. But every one of us, before we become a Christian, we are blind spiritually. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 says this. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, uses this verse many times before, where he says, Paul talking, the God of this age, who's that? Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Why can people not see the obvious that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for us and we need to put our faith in him? Why? Remember us. All of us were blind spiritually at one point. But God in his mercy has given us light. If we put our faith in Christ, he's given us light. If you haven't done it yet, look at verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. When, when, we are, when God took that blindness away and convicted us, we, we said, God, I believe Jesus is your son. He died on the cross for me. I put my faith and trust in him. I give my life to him. When that happens, the blindness is gone and, and, and the light of Christ that's in us, the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of us. That's what happens. All of us were blind at one point. But even 
after we become a Christian and we put our faith in Christ and the, the blinders are gone off the eyes, we can still be blind, be blinded by sin and pride. When, and when we are blinded by sin and pride, when we're in a bad place, we become very judgmental. Anybody ever struggle with that? You're in a bad place, real judgmental, finding fault with everybody and everything. And, and what do we do? We fire away at people. We just like fire away. Boom, 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 boom. Just look at that. Finding fault. Boom, boom, boom. Everywhere. Wife, kids, neighbors, everybody. Boom, boom, boom. Why? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves, doesn't it? When we're miserable, we can point out the faults in everybody else. It makes us feel a little bit about, better about ourselves, about how, you know, how, how miserable we are. It makes us feel better about ourselves. You think of David and Nathan. Remember David? The, the story of Sheba. Quick story. David... Uh, Commits adultery with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. And so he murders. He has his, uh, her husband knocked off, murdered there. And so he's just committed adultery and murdered somebody. Nathan comes along with a story. The prophet Nathan comes along. Tells a story. Says, uh, this guy got his sheep stolen. What should I do? And David, like, oh, he should be put, you know, he's hammered away. He stole a sheep. He should have to repay four times. And he was really harsh. He didn't say, oh, maybe he was hungry. Maybe he needed that sheep. Maybe, well, well let's bring him in and let's give him a chance. No, he just judged him and hammered away. Because David was in a bad place. And when we're in a bad place, we are not nice to other people in a bad place. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Here, David, he was... When we're in a bad place, we're overly harsh with other people. Here, David had just killed somebody, and he's freaking out over a stolen sheep. And God used that story to convict him and to confront him with his sin. And that's a red flag. Whenever, whenever someone, could be us, whenever someone is really hypercritical, I'm not talking about biblical discernment, I'm talking about hypercritical, just really negative, that is a red flag. I remember when I first started out in ministry, I had an elder who was super critical. And I could never understand why he was so just super critical, hypercritical. And he just was after everybody all the time. You're like, why did you make him an elder? I don't know why I did that. But anyway, super critical. And it turned out a couple years later in the church, he was in serious sin. And I mean shocking serious sin. And it came out. And I connected the dots. And ever since then, I, when someone is really like that, I know there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's something under that. And when I find myself becoming really critical and judgmental, I know God's saying, okay, what's the root? What's going on in my life that God needs to get to something? You see, sin and pride makes hypocrites out of all of us, doesn't it? It makes hypocrites out of us. Often what I judge in others is my own blind spot. My, uh, my dad had a saying, whenever we got critical of others, he, would, he had this saying, he said, a skunk always smells himself first. I heard that many, many times. And I always think of it. It's true. A skunk does always smell himself first. And what he's trying to say is, look at yourself first. Look at yourself. And it's true. Usually what we judge in others is our problem, isn't it? What, what we judge, it's amazing. What irritates me the most in other people is usually what God's trying to convict me of and try to expose in my life. Connect the dots. If somebody's really bugging you and irritating you and whatever, whatever it is, odds are God's trying to get at that in us, in our life. 
What's in our life? What's in our eye today? What's the worst thing you've ever had in your eye? Dirt. A baseball. <laughs> Some people have had acid in their eyes. You know, I remember Derek, I don't know if uh, Marines here. Derek, I remember that, that bottle blew up and he got some acid in his eye. Some, some of you have had something more scary in your eye than, than dirt. But that's nothing, even acid, it's nothing compared to having sin and pride in our eye and the hypocrisy that blinds us. It blinds us to our own sin. We just see everybody else's fault and we don't see what we have. Maybe you're here today and you are spiritually blind still. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But God has talk, been talking to you. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about taking that step of faith. Maybe today for the first time you realize that, hey, I'm spiritually blind. I want the light of Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time you realize that you're blind and facing God's judgment, but you can walk out of here free today and, and with, with the ability to see spiritually because of Christmas. Because of what Jesus Christ came to do. John 3.17 John 3.17 says, I'm going to start with 17. For God did not send his son into the world. When did he send him? Christmas. For God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's why he sent him, to save us. How? You back up one verse. It's spelled out, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son Jesus at Christmas to be born and then he gave him to die on the cross. Good Friday. Died on the cross in our place as our substitute to take our sin upon himself. That whoever believes in him. The word believe is not just intellectual. It does mean knowing, but it's a lot deeper than that in the Greek. It means to put your heart trust in. It means to put your total faith and trust and hope in him. When we say, I believe Jesus I believe Jesus died on that cross for me and I put my faith in him, my trust in him to save me, to forgive me. I give my life to him. When you take that step, we're no longer blind. We no longer have to face judgment. We're under God's mercy and grace. We have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Have you taken that step? Maybe you have taken that step, but how is the Holy Spirit convicting the rest of us who are already Christians? Maybe there's some hypocrisy in our life. Maybe there's a sin that we need to repent of so that we can really help people take the speck of sawdust out of their eye. That is an important part. We're going to see that next week. Don't miss next week. We're going to see how we are supposed to help people with their struggles. But first, there's something we might need to repent of. We need to get that log out of our eyes. We can't be helping other people when we, with the speck when we got the, the log in our eyes. Are we fault finders? Are we looking for those specks? Are we looking for the weaknesses in others so that we can like dwell on those? Remember I talked about being Pharisees, all of us, and, and starting a group, Pharisees Anonymous. You know, like, we really do, I need that group, Pharisees Anonymous, the PAA group, right? Or in, do we realize the power of a non-judgmental spirit? The, the power of a non-judgmental spirit, of a merciful spirit. There's a power in having that merciful spirit, that non-judgmental spirit, that 
being a merciful person. There's a, there's a spiritual power in it. I had a story I saved from a long time ago. It was a Dear Abby column, and I've stuck it in Matthew 7, 1 because it just really hit me. It's, a dear, it's dear Abby. says this. Listen to this. In 1962, it's a woman writing, I was just 17 and had graduated from high school. I had to give up... Oh, uh, wait, okay. I had to give up two scholarships to college and take a job because I was pregnant and unmarried. Girl had to give up college, two scholarships, get a job, she's pregnant. In those days, most unwed mothers were sent away to have their babies, then gave them up for adoption so that no one in the family would be embarrassed. I chose to stay home and keep my baby. I'm sure my parents were embarrassed and disappointed in me. The baby's father and I were immature, and a silly quarrel had caused our breakup. I was so depressed that I considered suicide on a daily basis. In my seventh month of pregnancy... 30 women from my office gave me a baby shower. I can't begin to tell you how much it meant to me to have those wonderful women shower me with good wishes and much-needed gifts. They literally saved my life and my baby's life. That shower turned my life around. After that, I was able to hold my head up when my, soft, when, my, sorry, when my son was a year old, his father and I got together and were married. Five years later, we had another son. I worked while my husband finished college, and after he graduated, I went to college and graduated in 1977. Today, our firstborn is married and has a son of his own. Abby, when I think of how close I came to ending my life, I shudder. I also thank God for those wonderful co-workers who didn't ponder whether it was proper to give a baby shower for an unmarried girl, that shower brought me out of the worst depression of my life. Do we know the power of a merciful spirit, of a non-judging attitude, the power of that? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is God's word convicting us and transforming us? Are we in a good place spiritually? Are we able to speak the truth in love to people? Whatever their struggle is, whatever they have in their eye, whatever in their life is not what God wants, are we able to speak the truth and love to them? Or is hypocrisy blocking our helping people, really helping people? Is there something in our eye that's, that's blinding us to our own sin, keeping us from helping other people be free from sin? Something we need to repent of this morning. As we're praying, maybe what we need to repent of is a judgmental spirit, being hypercritical and looking for people's weakness instead of looking for the good that God is working in their lives. Or to see people as wounded instead of seeing them as bad. 
Maybe there's somebody in our life right now the Holy Spirit's bringing to our mind that we need to, that he wants us to reach out and touch them with the love of Christ. Maybe during this Christmas season. Maybe it's somebody we've even been judging in our heart or even judging in other ways, but God is showing us that we're the one to touch their life. We're the one to share Christ with them. We're the one to help melt an icy heart. And while we're praying about that, maybe you're here today and you're the one who needs the heart to be touched. God is speaking to you about putting your faith in Jesus Christ, giving your life to Christ, and today's that day to take that step of faith, to pray that prayer in faith right where you're sitting, to say, God, I... No, I'm blinded by my sin. I know my sin has, my life and my sin, the garbage in my life has separated me from you, God. And I don't want it anymore. I repent and ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus who died on the cross for me. I'm putting my faith in him. I'm giving my life to you, God. And just as you brought Jesus back from the dead, out of the grave, alive after three days, I'm trusting you to give me a brand new life in your son Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer in faith, you're going to be shocked at what you can see now. You won't be blind anymore. You're going to be shocked at what you can see. You're going to be shocked at what you can feel in your heart toward God and toward other people because God's Spirit is actually living inside of you. I just want to encourage you to let somebody know. If you've taken this step of faith, let me know. Let somebody know. Fill out the card, stick in the box, something, so that we can be excited for you and, and encourage you in your new faith. Father, we thank you for Christmas and and what it means to each one of us. And we pray that you would pour your love through each one of us and through our church this Christmas season, touching many, many lives. We pray that in Jesus' name.